It was uh, April 2021, and I remember reading uh, a Facebook post from our Montreal missionary, Sarah, and the picture was of a stump, uh, a tree stump, I think, in her, her yard, and maybe for someone like you or for me, uh, especially for me, that stump would have been just something that got stuck in the way. Maybe if you're more handy, then you'd be able to get rid of it, but that's not how I'm made. And so I would have just walked around that stump. It would have been in the way, but um, um, I'd have just probably ignored it. But Sarah saw it with different eyes. So, and her different view um, motivated her to buy a used drill on Facebook Marketplace for 40 bucks. And then she went to town on this stump and she drew uh, or, or she drilled five holes. And in these holes, she planted pansies and there was vines and there was fungi. And it was really rather beautiful. In fact, one of her neighbors said that it looked like a Disney movie. And then the next post, she had gnomes and she had hedgehogs that she'd included in the display. And what we learn from this is that in the right hands of the right person with right vision, a tree stump, which is a sign of death, uh, actually becomes a beautiful place of magic and life. Isaiah 11 verse 1 says this, Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. We've uh, called this series uh, Encountering Emmanuel. And uh, what we're hoping for, or what I'm hoping for, is that in this new church year that uh, started last week, remember we sang uh, or we said Happy New Year to each other. Um, my hope is that in this new church year is that we have an encounter with Jesus who's called Emmanuel. Because Emmanuel means God is with us. Now, last week we started off this series by looking at how easy it is to uh, slumber through life, to hit snooze on God's plan for our lives. And uh, we propose that the way to avoid sleeping through life is found in uh, Romans chapter 13, 11 to 14. Um, and it's all about starting the day right. It's all about waking up in Christ. It's, and so we start with getting up and then getting dressed and then getting moving, and making sure that we don't forget our coat. In other words, we have to start the day right. And the next step encountering Emmanuel this season is smelling great. Starting the day right and smelling great. Now, I know that I don't always smell great. Like when I used to go running and I'd come back from the run and it would be like straight in the shower right away. Or the time when my parents picked me up uh, after a four-day hike and they left the windows open uh, all the way back. Yeah, we don't always smell great and that's okay. But friends, what I want you to hear this morning is that Jesus wants you to smell amazing. He, he loves it when you and I smell good and you can. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. Now, our passage this morning, Isaiah 11, is a prophecy all about Jesus. But if we back up a couple of verses uh, to the end of chapter 10, it's not only a prophecy about Jesus, but it's also um, about you know, current events in, in those days. It's about this ancient Near East war. There's this image of the nation of Assyria marching on Israel. And humanly speaking, it looks like there's no hope. 
But at the end of chapter 10, Isaiah prophecies that Assyria will be cut down like a huge forest being felled. And it's out of that scene of utter destruction that we read Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. (coughs) Excuse me. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. This is known as a messianic prophecy, meaning that this verse written 700 years uh, before the birth of the Messiah is about what the Messiah is going to be like. And the first thing we find out is that he's from the stump of Jesse. And since, you know, Jesse was David's father, this is a code meaning that the Messiah is going to come from the house and the lineage of David. And if you maybe take a quick glance at Jesus' lineage in Matthew chapter 1, you will see that Jesus is of the lineage of David and also Jesse. In fact, Luke then draws an even more stronger connection. He writes this. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. So first we find out from Matthew that Jesus, or first we find out from Isaiah that Jesus is the shoot that grows from the stump of Jesse. And here we see that God is arranging things so so that not only will Jesus be a descendant of David, but he will also be born in the city of David. Okay, God's not being very subtle here. He's leaving very clear hints. And then the next verse in Isaiah chapter 11 um, describes a few things about this shoot. It says this, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, not to say too much about this, but it's worth mentioning that when Isaiah writes this, it's likely that he had in mind the Jewish candlestick known as the menorah. It has seven candles. Here's one in front, uh, which is actually a nine-candle version. But uh, in this one, it's a seven-candle version. And each candle uh, represents the seven spirits. So you've got the, you know, the spirit of the Lord here in the middle. And then you've got the uh, spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding. Uh, You've got the spirit of counsel and the spirit of strength. And then you've got the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. As you can see, spirit of the Lord, wisdom and understanding, counsel and strength and knowledge and fear of the Lord as you move out from the center. And this is the same sevenfold spirit that's mentioned in uh, Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. John, to the seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits or the sevenfold spirit before his throne. And I think it would be fair to say, and we would all probably agree, right, that uh, Jesus is the perfect example of someone who is filled with the Spirit, who is filled with the seven spirits that we see here. Knowledge, or wisdom and understanding, counsel and strength, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Now, it's important to remember that Isaiah chapter 11 is a prophecy, and the really the only sign that a prophecy is legitimate is if it's fulfilled so let's fast forward to just one instance where we see jesus perhaps 
demonstrating some of these qualities. Matthew chapter 13 says this, he went to his hometown and began to teach them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers? Two of the things that are mentioned, wisdom and strength. Isn't this the carpenter's son? So Jesus's wisdom and Jesus's strength or powers were unusual enough to raise people's eyebrows and to get people asking, okay, where did this wisdom and this power, where did it come from? And the answer, of course, is the sevenfold spirit of God as prophesied in Isaiah chapter 11. And we can see uh, maybe even the moment when the spirit came on Jesus fulfilling you know, the prophecy when, when Jesus accessed the sevenfold spirit. And that's in Luke chapter 3 verse 21. When all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And here's the amazing thing for us is that through Christ, we have access to the same spirit of wisdom and understanding, the same spirit of counsel and strength, the same spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We have the same access to the same spirit. How do I know this? Well, one example is in James chapter 1, verse 5, which says this. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him and what's true for wisdom in James chapter 1 is the same for all of the other six parts of the menorah so if I was to sum up all of this I would say something like this that God wants our lives to be a light with the divine light of the menorah through the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we have full access to the same sevenfold spirit that was prophesied in Isaiah that rested on Jesus in the Jordan River and that was talked about in Revelation. So maybe a question I could ask you this morning is this, are you making the most of this incredible resource, the person of the Holy Spirit who is available to you through Christ, or are you walking through life not asking you know, to be filled with the Spirit and therefore not receiving. And if you don't ask and you don't receive, then you have no choice but to rely on your own strength and your own resources instead. It's a bit like uh, someone trying to roof an entire house with a tiny hammer that they got from the dollar store. That person would be me. That's the kind of thing I would do. I'm the kind of person that owns a dollar store hammer. But next to them is a DeWalt 20 volt max. Okay, I had to look this up because, you know, I don't know things like this, but next to them is a DeWalt 20 volt max XR lithium iron cordless brushless 15 degree roofing nailer right next to you. All you have to do is to pick it up and then you can use it. Okay, this next bit is where I want to spend a little bit of time. First of all, because it requires a little bit of unpacking, but also because the rewards of digging in a little are incredible. So we've had the shoot growing from the stump of Jesse. 
And we've ascertained that that shoot is Jesus the Messiah. We've learned some of his characteristics and we've seen that Jesus gets these incredible superpowers, the sevenfold spirit through the Holy Spirit to enable him to be the Messiah that we all need. And then we come across this intriguing little sentence. It says, his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Now, we've already encountered this phrase, the fear of the Lord, in the description of the sevenfold spirit, right? It's the, it's the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and strength, spirit of knowledge, here it is, and of the fear of the Lord. And then here in verse 3, it's repeated, his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. So perhaps the first thing for us to notice is that the fear of the Lord is a kind of foundation of the others. Because it's mentioned last in the seven, and then it's mentioned again straight away. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. It's a foundation. Right before wisdom and understanding and counsel and strength and knowledge comes the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is foundational. Here's the takeaway for us, that the fear of the Lord is foundational for you making most of the sevenfold spirit in your life. And Psalm 112 agrees with us, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. This idea of the fear of the Lord, which nowadays might not be such a popular idea, is fundamental to understanding God and making the most of the resource of the Holy Spirit. So, what is the fear of the Lord? That's the million-dollar question. Well, I uh, recently finished reading John Mark Comer's book, God Has a Name, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it if you want to, you know, to get to know God more and find out more about him. And in that book, John Mark Comer writes this. He says, The scripture writers talk about the fear of Yahweh. This phrase is used all throughout the Bible. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people explain it away saying something like, fear doesn't really mean fear, it means reverence or respect. Oh, that's funny because it says fear. Scripture has dozens of stories about men and women who encounter Yahweh in just about every story. They are scared to death. I mean, mop up the floor afterward afraid. Yahweh is terrifyingly good. I think John Mark Homer is right. We can't just water down the word fear. You know, we can't just explain it away. Even if this word fear has been co-opted by news articles and horror movies, it's still a good, useful word. It still has use. And here's why I think that we need to reclaim the word fear. Because when we're talking about the relationship of us who are created beings with God, who is literally the creator and exists in and outside the confines of the universe, I think that fear is a good word. It's useful. It's accurate. Like that time when all that stood between me and a mountain gorilla was a pane of glass. Hopefully it was thick enough. Right? A good word for that moment would be fear because I was faced with awesomeness. All those nights where you go outside and you gaze into the expanse of space and you feel so, so small. Or when you're swimming in the ocean, you look down and you see nothing except weak light beams and aqua that fades into black. It's okay to be f uh, 
fearful when faced with something immense. It's okay to be afraid when faced with the immensity of God. You might say that, you know, the fear of the Lord is another way of saying, get an accurate view of God. In other words, stop looking at him through your own filters and lenses and start to see him as he truly is. (coughs) Excuse me. The God is revealed in the Bible. That's who he is. The God of the Old Testament, that's who he is. The God of the New Testament revealed through Christ, that's who he is. And if we're honest, Jesus could be pretty scary sometimes. You know, we talk about Jesus uh, meek and mild, but, you know, we also have Jesus turning over tables. We also have Jesus angrily telling his disciples when they're being idiots. We also have Jesus glowing on the top of mountains, and we have Jesus dying on the cross and darkness, you know, covering the land like a shroud. Fear is okay. Now, quickly before we move on, one more thing to say about this word fear. <clears throat> and here, it's, it's another quotation because often other people say it much, much better than me. But fear is a good translation of the word. Okay, so let's acknowledge that. But in today's culture, the idea of fear is usually connected with the basic human instincts to run or defend or retaliate. The Hebrew word yare uh, encompasses a larger meaning of all reverent respect and honor. It appears in the Hebrew Bible as a synonym for love, which is interesting, cling to and serve. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this incredibly compelling, that the fear of the Lord is this one-stop shop in Hebrew that includes all reverent respect, honor, love, clinging to and serve. And so it's small wonder why this idea of the fear of the Lord is the basis, is the foundation of a spirit-filled life. Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Do you want to access the wisdom and the understanding and the counsel and the strength and the knowledge and the fear of the Lord that only he can give? If so, then treat him with awe and with reverent respect. Treat God with honor, love him, cling to him, serve him, fear him. Okay, but that's not even the good bit. Okay, it is the good bit, but there's another good bit in that little short verse in Isaiah chapter 11. And this verse is so short, so how can there be another good bit? Well, it's true, there is. Well, why don't we sniff out this other good bit together? And I say sniff because it's a bit of a clue because the other good bit in this verse has to do with smelling with the olfactory system. And it's the word delight. Because in Hebrew, this word delight, his delight will be, is the word ruah or ruach. And this word ruah can mean a bunch of things, including breath, including spirit, uh, including breathing in and out, or it can mean smell, smelling. And not just smelling, but smelling with pleasure. And that's what it means in this context. So imagine that you've been in a stuffy office all day, and then you get out of the office, into the outdoors, and it's one of those incredibly crisp, fresh evenings. What happens when you leave the stuffiness 
for crispness. There's almost this involuntary breathing in through the nose to get as much of that amazing air into your lungs as you could possibly uh, have. Um, and then you kind of sigh and breathe it out, right? That is what smelling with pleasure is. You breathe in. We have that response when it comes to cut grass or to pine needles or to hot chocolate or to good coffee or to a pie straight out of the oven. And for Jesus, when you and I fear God, his automatic response is to take a deep sniff and his face lights up. When you and I see God for who he is, when we gaze on him with awe and reverent respect, with honor, with love, when we cling to him, when we serve him, Jesus sees all this. He sees all this fear and he inhales until his lungs are full and then he's like, your fear of God is like warm pies out of the oven for Jesus. <coughs> and it's not just me saying this, you know, the commentators actually agree. If the text is correct, the sense is that the Messiah will smell with delight the attitude of reverent concern for God's ways, just as God delights in the smell of incense. Now, before I wrap up, I just want to catch something. I want to make sure that we catch it. And, uh, and then you can make of it of what you will. But the word for spirit in, words two, in verse 2 is this word ruach or ruach. And the word for delight in verse 3 is also the word ruach. So you've got the ruach of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a ruach of wisdom and understanding, a ruach of counsel and strength, a ruach, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And then in verse 3, we, we read this, that his ruah smell will be in the fear of the Lord. <coughs> now, we miss this in English because there are different words. But those who spoke Hebrew got these word clues straight away that were being left all over the place. Aha, Isaiah, I see what you're doing. Hey, did you get that word, word play there? It's pretty smart, isn't it? And I'm pretty smart because I got it. Well, now that we've seen it in English, you can say I'm pretty smart as well because I got it too. So what are we to make of this? Well, perhaps it goes something like this. How do we connect verse 2 and 3 and this use of the word ruah? Well, maybe it's something like this, that as we are being filled with the Spirit of God, as we're being filled with the ruah of God, we give off a smell, a ruah, that Jesus likes. And so the ruah of the Spirit is our perfume, our scent, our ruah. So we've unpacked this word fear. We've said it means actual fear, you know, involuntary release of the bowels, fear. But it also has woven into it all reverent respect, honor, and it's a synonym for love, clinging to and serving. And then we've explained that the word delight is the Hebrew word ruah, which is everything to do with the sense of smell. And then we've said that when we're filled with the, with the Spirit, we give off a smell that Jesus loves, an aroma. So when we read the verse, his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. We now know that it means that when we see God as he is, not as we create him to be, but as he is, it's like freshly ground coffee for Jesus. He loves it. He can't get enough of that smell. 
Now, I don't know if Jesus, Jesus had a favorite sense, um, but if he did, it seems like we're starting to make the case that Jesus' favorite sense would be the sense of smell. Because Isaiah 11 actually carries on. It says this, He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears, but he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. Here it seems to say that Jesus will not judge by his eyes or what he hears. You know, we can fake how we look. We can fake how we sound, right? We're very good at that. But it's hard to fake your smell. And so Jesus instead, he sniffs out our hearts and I wonder this morning, what does your heart smell like? You know, in the book of Amos, there's this powerful passage, negative passage, which is about God's sense of smell. It says this in the book of Amos. I hate, I despise your feasts. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Right? Just some very strong language. And then at the end, but let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Over these next few weeks, it's likely that you're going to smell a lot of great stuff. Yummy smells, incredible smells. And as you smell these smells, remember that Jesus has a sense of smell. He has a powerful sense of smell. And Jesus is sniffing out your heart. And the cool thing is, is that when he smells even the slightest hint of growing respect for God or honor for God, if he sees you taking small steps towards God or to loving God or to clinging to God, if he sees you starting to cling to God or serving God, a smile starts to spread on Jesus' face. If he sees that you're contributing to this river of justice that we read about in Amos, he starts to breathe in and then exhale, yes, that's the smell I'm looking for. Now, I don't know what this means for you this Advent season. Perhaps it's ringing some Salvation Army bells. Perhaps it's hosting Friends for Dinner students. Um, you know, they, they still need host families. Maybe it's, um, you know, checking in on your lonely neighbors. Perhaps it's helping out with, uh, with helping finance World Hope's projects this Christmas. Maybe it's doing just one thing, just a little thing to make this world a better place. And friends, you don't need to do it alone. You don't need to do it out of your own resources because you have access to the sevenfold spirit of God. The sevenfold spirit of Isaiah 7 is available to you. God is literally ready to infuse you with his spirit, with wisdom and understanding and counsel and strength and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. God is ready to light the menorah of his full spirit in your heart. He's ready to give you his full spirit so that you can then smell really, really good. And it's nothing to do with your cologne or your baking. It's just asking God to help you see him as he truly is, to fear him. And as you fear him, you start to smell great. And then you might even become Jesus's favorite aroma this Advent season. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you uh, that you have a sense of smell. I thank you, Lord, that you care enough about our lives, that you sniff out true worship, that you sniff out those who fear you, those who treat you with honor and respect. 
And Lord, I thank you that the sevenfold spirit of Isaiah chapter 11 is accessible to us through Christ. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are ready to equip us with, uh, with, with all of these absolutely necessary attributes that we need to serve you. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters right now, Lord, that, that they would be filled, filled with the Spirit, that they would, um, they would avail themselves of the full sevenfold Spirit that we read about in Isaiah chapter 11. And I pray, Lord, for those who don't know you yet, Lord, that you would lead them to true saving faith in you, that you would have mercy on them, and that, uh, Lord, you would... Um, that after saving them, Lord, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.